open up our Bible apps, <laughs> or real Bibles. Uh, I'll give you a second there. Today's scripture reading is actually two, from two books, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5, and 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. This is the word of God. So I exhort you, so I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. to let him do the, you know, his job. Um, there's, there's no way we're going to look at all the material that is in these two passages this, uh, this, this week. I actually, this morning, even this morning when I woke up, I had all this stuff planned to preach today, but when I woke up and I was in the shower, I, I just knew that wasn't going to work. So <laughs> even on the fly, even on the fly, driving over, I was thinking, like, okay, I'm going to cut out this big chunk of the middle of my sermon. I'm going to revise. Um, so you're getting all the material that I planned. It's just less of it, okay? And so the part that, uh, that I, I uh, didn't plan, I'm going to, so we're going to go do that next week, okay? Right. So uh, um, I'm actually more relaxed now, too, because I mean, um, What's sometimes difficult about, about a sermon series like this is not so much what I'm going to teach, it's when I'm going to teach it. Am I going to say this this week, or am I going to say this three weeks from now? Um, but anyway, that, that's, that's probably more than you wanted to know. Let's get into it today, and we're in part two of our series called Portrait of the Missional Family. And today, we called it a portrait Pastor Young and I, in tinkling out this series, we called it a portrait because we wanted you to be able to see this family, have a picture in your mind of the family and all the roles in the family and what makes this family um, powerful and wonderful and glorious. And today we're going to especially talk right about, well, the leaders of the family. I mean, I told you last week that the true head of the family of God is Jesus, (laughs) 
Um, but as the leaders that you and I see with our eyes in, in the local church, uh, we're talking about elders today in a message that I've entitled Shepherds, Elders, and Fathers. Shepherds, Elders, Fathers, or maybe Elders, Shepherds, Fathers. Okay, that's, okay sorry. That's the way I put it. That's the, I guess I, I, uh, that's the way I said it in the, um, the bulletin. And I'm going to do this in three parts. Part one, the role and work of the elder, overseer, pastor. So elder slash overseer slash pastor. You guys are all part of the internet age. You're also very good at backslashes. Uh, So that's all one role. Elder, overseer, pastor. I'm going to, and I'll tell you about that in in a moment, um, why that is one role. And some churches don't agree with that. Uh, but that's, I'll give you a presentation somewhat today as to why in our church we believe that is all largely one role. All right? um, part two, the work and role is tremendously valuable and to be honored. All right? The work is to be honored. That's what I like to talk about. Why is that work to be honored? And part three, the fathers of God's family like the chief shepherd. The fathers of God's family like the chief shepherd. Um, Let's talk about the role and work of the elder, overseer, pastor. In, in, in the first Peter 5 passage, um, let, me, let me highlight this. This is what Peter says. Um, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. This is pretty, uh, just a quick comment about that. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to get too negative about this. But in the, in the Catholic Church, they tend to think of Peter as the ultimate, ultimate top guy. They call the Pope the vicar of Christ. Um, he is essentially the, the line that carries upon Peter. And of course, without a doubt, Peter was a very, very important apostle. And between Peter and Paul, and probably John, those are th- three of the most important apostles that Jesus called to lay down the foundations of the church. But I just want you to see how, uh, how Peter puts this here. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. (laughs) He did not see himself as fundamentally doing a different job than all the other elders. And that's going to be important and and important that I want to get that. What do the elders do? Verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. That word oversight is important. I'm going to... I'm going to teach you what that word is. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. I'll just stop there. That's a quick short. um, There's multiple different places where the Bible talks about what the, the elders do. Um, that's a good place, I think, to really begin this discussion. Um, let me put it this way. What is the job and role of the elders? To shepherd the flock of God to the chief shepherd, like the chief shepherd, for the chief shepherd. We're shepherds. Um, that means you have to feed. That means you have to gather. That means you have to train that means you also protect. In fact, there's a whole other place in the scripture that talks about protecting the flock from wolves. There are people in the world, sometimes they dress up as elders. They even have the title of pastor, but the Bible says they're wolves. There are buildings in our society that have steeples and that have crosses they have guys who wear the name pastor or reverend or elder. Sometimes, you know, you, they, walk, you, they may be in a, a church that's more in the Presbyterian tradition, and the pastor may be a real elder, but the elder is not a real elder. He's a wolf. Um, these are partly what's going on. Um, what, there are lots of different ways that um, elders can fail. Uh, th- this is... We are here to shepherd. Shepherd is to help a set of people. <laughs> okay, let me take a moment here. Um, according to the Bible, my role, Pastor Young's role, all the other elder elders that we raise up in our church, 
We're here to shepherd you, and you're the sheep. And I don't really want to say this in, how do I say this without being too mean about it? All right? Sheep are dumb. <laughs> I don't mean to say that in the most mean way, but sheep, and I know it sounds really mean. I could say it in much meaner ways, okay? <laughs> but that's just the straightest, simplest way of putting it. Sheep need guidance. Sheep don't need know things. Um, it is said that if sheep, if when sheep get scared, they just sit in the same place. That uh, if they run out of food, where they're in that little place because they're scared, they will starve. That when wolves show up, they will not run. <laughs> um, I, I have noticed that many people who come to church are scared. I've noticed that people who walk throughout this world are scared. Truly, um, there are many, many sheep in the world. It says in the Bible that Jesus is the chief shepherd, um, and he says he is a good shepherd. Um, He says that he is a shepherd that is not like a hired hand. This is part of what this passage is talking about, too, that we are to exercise oversight not by compulsion. Hired hands do things by compulsion. They do it because they have to make money. And if they don't do their job, they will be fired. That's a, that's a form of compulsion. They says they, they do this thing. He says, you're not supposed to do this thing for shameful gain. Um, there's multiple ways that, that elders can do things for shameful gain. Some, one of the most obvious things is money. But there are ruling elders in the church that don't make money from the church. But they do this for their namesake. They do this for power. They do this to gain a name for themselves and to control people and to say, none of these things are being an elder. All these things are more closer to being a hired hand or, in the worst case, it's more like a wolf. There are other ways that, um, that elders can totally fail, and that is not to feed the sheep their proper, most important food, and that is the word of God, which is more important than the bread of the world, and that is the gospel. (laughs) This is why all elders are to shepherd the flock of God to the chief shepherd. (laughs) And in a strange way, everything in our church is about the chief shepherd, who is Jesus Christ. (laughs) The gospel is to feed you Jesus. (laughs) Sometimes we literally eat the bread which is Jesus. <laughs> you come to this church to be fed the most important food as a sheep, that is the gospel. And it's a strange way that you are fed it. You are fed through your ears. It's a strange analogy, isn't it? But without this feeding of a word, which is really to see and know and receive the chief shepherd into the depths of your heart, soul, and mind, you will die. <laughs> You'll be scared. You'll be, de- you'll be devoured by wolves. Um, all kinds of food. You will bite each other. <laughs> you will scatter. And I, I say that you because, well, and I should say we. Uh, sometimes the, the, the shepherds are bad shepherds, and sometimes you know, we forget that we're part of a flock, and we... And sometimes we forget that we're supposed to cling to the chief shepherd too. So much of what I preach is to me, certainly to Pastor Young, we were the first to say we must eat of this gospel. Um, That's the role, right? Let me get a little bit more into this. Um, Let's go to, let me tell you some of the, about these words. Uh, There's multiple words that the Bible uses for this role. It talks about elders in um, 1 Peter chapter 5. It says here that we are to exercise oversight. Actually, right here in this passage are some of the most important words that we use for this role. Um, You are an elder. The Greek word for that is presbuteros. And that's where we get this term. Maybe some of you have heard certain denominations are called presbyterians. Presbyterians comes from the Greek word presbuteros. Uh, It says here you are to exercise oversight. That word oversight comes from the, the Greek word episkopeo. The noun form is episkopos. And you might have heard of another denomination that calls themselves Episcopalians. Um, they are the oversighting guys. That's those who bear oversight. 
Um, in the English language, uh, the, 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 the noun episkopos has often been translated bishop. Hmm, bishop. Um, and there is another word in here that says you are to shepherd. <laughs> okay, you are to shepherd. We have elders. We have to, we have the, this is the verb form. The verb in the Greek, uh, I, won't, you know, I won't bore you with that. The, the noun form it, um, is, where we get the, is where we get our word pasture. Actually, we get it from the Latin version. <laughs> the Latin is the same Latin verb that translated the Greek word. The noun form is pastor, and that's where we get our word pastor. I mentioned this last week. A pastor is the guy who works in the pasture because he is a shepherd. Okay? And that's where we get that word. Um, elders are elders are those uh, an elder um, emphasizes uh, the ruling as one over a set of people, as one who is older. Now, I know we tend to think of it as older, especially in Asian cultures, we tend to think of it as older. It doesn't necessarily mean older in terms of age. It means a little bit more, more mature. Older in the sense that it's more mature, but not necessarily older chronologically. More in the sense of maturity and having authority. Um, oversight clearly means control and rule. Now, I don't want control. I know we don't like that word, right? Um, but that's what a bishop does. But, um, and you're probably already, you're already starting to go, okay, uh, you're kind of, I am opening up this can of worms here, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in, in, a, in a later message, too. Uh, and then there's this other word, pastor. And most of you, you call me pastor, you think I know what a pastor does, and um, a pastor is not only a teacher of the Bible, is not only the guy who got up front to lead you in religious works, but he is ultimately a shepherd, a carer of God's people, um, and one who guides and will um, show you care when you fall down and when you're hurt, and will give you teaching so you'll have wisdom in the world. All these roles. Um, now, let me, all of these words in the Bible really are used interchangeably. Different denominations have tended to major on certain words. The Presbyterians have off, are obviously uh, um, majored on the word presbyteros. Right? The Episcopalians have majored on the word episcopos. An episcopos, and, that's, and really what they're just saying is an Episcopalian form of the church's leadership is to be led by bishops. That's really what they're saying. And Episcopalians are not the only ones that use that system. Catholics use that system. Um, the Episcopalians or the Anglicans. The Episcopalians is the name of the Anglican body of, uh, of, of the church, which is in America, right? Um, the Anglicans use that system. I don't know if you know this, but, um, but uh, Methodists. Methodists also use an Episcopalian type system. They have a rule by bishops, a shepherding by bishops. Um, Presbyterians have a somewhat disagreement here. And why do we have this disagreement? Because we believe that the Bible uses all these words interchangeably. It absolutely does. Here's one place. I'm just showing you this is a great place to see it. 1 Peter 5 uses all three all in the same place. There's not really a distinction, is there? Um, in, the Episcopalian, in the Episcopalian system, there's a guy who pastors a local church. They typically call him a priest. In the Catholic Church, there's a priest. He pastors the local church. And then he has a boss who's on top of him. He's really the one who rules. He's called the bishop. And then there's another bishop on top of him. And then it goes back to the cardinal. And then there's a really ultimate super bishop. A guy's name is the pope. And they think that he goes back to the top bishop of all time, um, Peter. And I, I'm not trying to bash Catholics here, but um, they're wrong. <laughs> okay, that's right here from the Bible from Peter's own mouth, or his own pen, um, that, that structure of the way the church has to be structured is not quite right. right. At least that wasn't the intention for the local church. All these words are used interchangeably. Other places in the Bible, um, Acts, chapter, Acts chapter 20 uses it that way. Um, Acts chapter 20 is a description of Paul pre preaching 
I'm giving kind of last words to the Ephesian church before he leaves them and he says, you probably won't see me anymore. And indeed, it is the last time because he goes to his death after that. Right? And he gives a charge to the elders of the church. And at some point, he then calls them shepherds. <laughs> All right? um, there's, a, there's another place, Titus chapter 1. That's also a very important place to learn about the church. And, and again, the same, there, there's one place that says to be an overseer, episcopos. And then it talks about also being an elder presbyteros, right? So um, in our church, uh, I'm, I'm giving just a quick uh, a critique. I'm going to give you this in very brief form right now. <laughs> I'm going to give this to you in brief form right now, but then I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to have a little bit more of a lengthy discussion about this in, in a few weeks to come. Um, Presbyterianism versus Episcopalianism, or let's call it the Presbyterian system or the elder-led system or the, uh, the Episcopos system, which is really not right. We think we have the right understanding of Episcopos. I'm an Episcopos too. It's just that we don't tend to call it that. In our church, we simply call it elders. Um, and, but in the more Episcopos or the bishop-led system, that is really a hierarchical model. There's one guy and everybody obeys that one guy. And quite frankly, that is exactly the way it works. In, the, in, in an Episcopalian system, there's a bishop who's in charge of a whole region. None of the priests can go up against him. None of the priests can go up against him. If you have a very bad priest, the good thing is you only have one guy to appeal to. But if that one guy put that guy in that place because he likes him, and he likes his bad doctrine, he likes his bad doctrine, your whole area, your whole diocese is in trouble because you have a bad bishop. That's the, that is the strength, of the, the strength of a hierarchical system is that if one guy is good, all the other people have to obey that one guy. It's great. Right? If the one guy is bad, everybody under him is in trouble. That is the pros and the con. The con is a very, very big con. Do you not agree? <laughs> This is one of the very large critiques of, uh, of the Presbyterian model of leadership or the elder-led model of leadership over against the hierarchical model of leadership. So this is our critique, and I don't normally go around critiquing other denominations too much, um, but um, here we we're talking about, I'm trying to give you very good clarity about why we're trying to do it, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, they're so bad. I'm like, and I think most of you know my spirit is not to be that way. I love to honor all of the Christians, even if I disagree with them on very um, certain types of issues. And how we do church leadership is one key kind of place that tends to be a marked leadership difference, um, dis disagreement, and dis disagree over passages such as this. Um, I would like to make just one other point. There are lots of churches that call themselves congregationalist churches, and in their mind, they don't see themselves as either Episcopalian nor Presbyterian. Right? They don't see themselves as an elder-led church nor as a bishop-led church, but they just see themselves as a, just the pastor. Right? And when they read, the, they read things like, they go, the elder is the pastor. And then there's another set of juniors leaders under them, they call them the deacons, but it only just goes back to the pastor. But let me tell you, that's still essentially the same thing as hierarchy, the hierarchical form. You still got one guy, everybody's got an answer to that one guy. It's just that they just don't have a guy on top of him. They just have one congregation, and they just don't have a guy on top of him. So from an elder-led model, if, if you ask me, when I look at that, it's not fundamentally different in terms of the local church level than the Episcopal model. And I know that seems like a strange critique. If any of you grew up in like a Baptist-type church or lots of non-denominational churches, use this type of a model of leadership. Right? But more and more, I've noticed this. This is a trend that's happening in America, and it, I think it's a very good trend. More and more churches are starting to move toward elder leadership. And what is elder leadership? And that is not hierarchy, but team shepherding. That's what we're talking about here. Team shepherding. Team shepherding is what Presbyterianism is really ultimately about. That you have a team of men... They're all called the elders, and by the way, there has to be a division of labor 
in different types of gifting, and that's why some we tend to call the pastor, and those we call the pastor tend to be the guys who work full-time, have been specially trained in the Word, because the gospel is most central. The gospel is most central, but then we have, have other guys, that, at least in Presbyterian, we just call them elders, but really, they're all elders. Okay, I'm an elder, Pastor Young is an elder, and then the other guys that we call elders, we tend to call them ruling elders. Some people call them lay elders as opposed to, uh, as opposed to clergy elders. Right? But actually, lay elders are also ordained and set apart. And they also have to be able to teach. And they also have to be able to know the gospel. And they also have to be able to protect the sheep from wolves. They have to be able to recognize sometimes even when one of the elders is a wolf, sometimes that happens because there are sometimes very, very sneaky men who know how to um, gain the trust of people because there's this thing called a wolf in sheep's clothing. Have you heard of this? It's really real. In a church, it's very, very real. So sometimes they pretend like they're sheep and then sometimes they can arise to become elders. <laughs> and, then, and then all kinds of, you know, the word that begins with H can have, break loose in a church. But that's when um, different elders must be able to recognize that, hey, that guy's not one of us. This guy's not one of us. We've got to cut him out of here. <laughs> or, or certainly, of course, Many of the sheep, the wolf comes into the, uh, into the flock, starts spreading bad teaching that is against Christ or bad um, practices and starts to flagrantly disobey. And, 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 and I really mean that, flagrantly disobey. Not, we, we're all in some sense disobedient because we're sinners. But there are some sinners who are wrecking the church of God with their behavior. It tends to be um, rebellion, it tends to be awful forms of gossip which, uh, which cut the church apart. Rumors, and especially rumors and gossip, and unfounded accusations against the leadership. Uh, and of course, unfounded uh, charges and teachings, and unfounded accusations against Jesus, which is another way of saying bad doctrine. Okay? These are all kinds of different ways that the church can be ripped apart. There are thieves in the church. There are thieves in the church. People come to steal money. And um, so I'm sorry to say this. Sometimes they're, 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 they become thieves and they're named pastor. Um, why do we need a team? These are so many different reasons why we need a team. Right? Um, I, I, just, just to give you one simple, uh, very, very practical thing. Um, usually you do not want your preaching elder to be too concerned about the money because he should be concerned about the work. And so um, one particular elder that I respect, he once said at a, at a conference, he once said just straight out, hey, if you're a pastor, and so he's talking about the, the word specialist elders. He's like, don't touch the money. <laughs> he says, literally, <laughs> literally, don't touch the money. <laughs> when it's being passed around, don't touch it. <laughs> Let the other guys do that work. The, so you need other, and we need the deacons to do that work. That's one of the very important things that the deacons do. But they need to do it under the oversight, episcopos, <laughs> the oversight of certain other elders. And typically, the ruling lay elders tend to over, uh, oversee that. And oftentimes, they're better at it. Hey, a guy who went to seminary is not usually not too savvy with finances. But the guy who has an MBA is good with that, or he's a small business owner. He often is very good with finances. Who do you want to oversee that important aspect of church leadership? Hmm? Um, do you want the word specialist guy, or do you want the other elder who's wiser about those things? And all the elders have to be able to teach, but that doesn't mean they all have to preach. Teaching and preaching, and even the Bible doesn't say it in quite the same way. We are all gospel proclaimers, but some have to protect and sow the gospel more with their life, their example, their mentorship. And certainly being able to discern the difference between what is the gospel, what is not the gospel, and what takes us to the chief shepherd. And so 
there are many, many churches, and I'm sorry to say this, and it is all too common, and in our age, there are many, many churches that have gotten theologically heterodox, heretical, or just plain theologically shallow. And there, and there are plenty of elders in a lot of theologically shallow churches. They can't tell the difference between what is of the gospel and what is not of the gospel. And so they've mishmashed this, uh, this part between what is of the law and what is of the gospel. And so if people have good behavior and act in a Christian-y fashion, then they go, that's Christian. But that's not a good elder. <laughs> a good elder says, always understands we are all about the chief shepherd. We shepherd to the chief shepherd. We are under shepherds under the chief shepherd. We're all a bunch of lieutenants. Because we're the spine, just a mixed metaphors here, under a head, as I talked to you last week, and we're all the body, and he is the head. It's just that we're different parts of the body, the elders of the spine connecting to the head. And that's how we get our orders and know his will. Is all this helpful? I hope this is very helpful to you. Um, the role and, of, and work of the elder overseer slash pastor, okay? So... Um, next time you see an elder, I, I, can't, I think a lot of people think, there's the pastor, he's way up there, and then elder is sort of like the junior dude, and then there's a deacon, there's another guy, and then, the, and then, then there's the rest of the, 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 all the other folks. Um, but you're all saints, as I said to you last week. Sometimes saints have more wisdom sometimes than even the elders. There's no, there's no such thing. We have a team of elders that must hold each other accountable and because none of them has all the wisdom, and sometimes, not sometimes, yes, they do fall down, and yes, we do fail, and yes, we do make mistakes. And in a good elder-led church, uh, there is correction from other elders, admonishment. And um, in, in an elder-led system, in, you know, our church is a reformed church. Almost all the reformed churches use an elder-type system, Presbyterian-type system, even if they don't call it Presbyterian. You know, we call ourselves the Reformed Church, not so much Presbyterian, but it's the same thing. And then there are elders that go above that so that if you're, you're even your own team of elders that you think are making a mistake, you can ask for accountability at the next level. That level is another set of elders that will come in. And they're not essentially above us, but we within our system, within our denomination, have agreed to be bound to each other so that we don't have guys who are above us they are all elders like we are elders. We don't have a bishop like I told you that goes by. There's no top dog guy that we answer to. The only top person we answer to is Jesus through the gospel, through the word. But we will submit to that other body of elders who will come in if, if a deep problem happens in our church. See, this is how it works. Let's go to part two. Um, the work and role is tremendously valuable. And to be honored. I, I think you can see that it's valuable. I want to talk about honor. Um, this is all I'm going to say from 1 Timothy 3 today. And next week you're going to get a mouthful from 1 Timothy 3. But I only want to get at the first verse. Um, this saying is trustworthy. This saying is trustworthy. The, the, the Greek word there is pistos. And pistos is literally the word that is of the noun pistis, is faith. This, this word is, this sentence, this sentence is worth your trust and faith. That's what it's saying, literally in the Greek. In the Greek it says, this word is of your faith. Wow, strong words. And then here's what it says. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer episcopos, which is also the same as presbyteros, which is also the same as pastor. He desires a noble task. He desires a kalos task. That's the Greek. That is a very, very good work that is worthy of honor. Um, I just want to, in this second part of my uh, message, um, I, I don't want to be, I want to be careful here because I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm being self-congratulatory to my job. <laughs> All right? Um, I, I, let me just speak a little bit um, biographically, uh, not so much 
Many of you know things about me. I, I, I like to self-reveal. I, I didn't always want this job, honestly. And, and there was clearly a portion of my, of my time when I ran away from this role and this calling. I ran away from it because it's stinking hard. <laughs> I wanted to run away from it because I wasn't very good at it. And I'm not sure if I'm that good at it now. Uh, by the way, God often calls men who are not especially very good at, this, at it. So, yes, when I, I'm going to talk next week about the qualifications of the elder, and I hope you think that I am qualified. I think I am qualified. Um, many other qualified men think I'm qualified. Right? Well, the other elders think I'm qualified. Right? Um, but there was clearly times I, I did not think I was very qualified, and I wanted to run away from it, this is very, it's, it's, a, it's, it's very important work. It's also about as hard a thing as I think there is. Um, I am being shot at by the devil. So is Pastor Young, so is all our elders in our church. Um, just because the arrows are invisible don't mean that they're not real. And it doesn't mean they don't hurt. I know what it's like to be shot. I have felt it. It really hurts. It's the kind of thing that can make men quit. The, the whole country is strewn with like a landscape of, of shot pastors, and they've quit. Of shot elders. Of shot elders. Elders who have, of elders who, who don't even do this for a living, <laughs> who visit people's houses because their marriage is, is in deep trouble. Right? Or something, there's a huge fight going on between the mom and the son. And something really bad happens there, and it crushes him. And he's just like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> it happens. So I'm saying this to you, not so much to get you to go, Pastor, you're so great. I'm just, I want you to understand what's entailed here. We have fleshly eyes. We tend to honor that which gets popularity and like, you know, the big name. And in our, in our culture, we have celebrity pastors. We have uh, the big shot pastors. They tend to be bad sellers. They tend to be megachurch leaders. I don't think they're the best pastors. I do not think Jesus thinks they're the best pastors. Some of the best elders in the world have to carry down one or sometimes two other jobs. They have very small churches. They are, they are um, shepherding a flock that is small because they are in a country that if you become a Christian, you could be murdered. And so that tends to make flocks small. <laughs> and it's very hard to get a job when you're in a society <laughs> and get a job being called elder or pastor and get paid for it when you're in a society where you could get killed for proclaiming the gospel, so the flock tends to be small, the job tends to be dangerous, you must make your money doing something else, and you must still shepherd your flock, and you must still learn the word of God, and you must still prepare your sermons, and you must still visit them when they're sick, when they're dying, when they're hurting, when they're lost. All these things. And you must still raise up other elders and shepherds and deacons and so forth. It's a heavy-duty deal. And can you imagine doing this if you live in a society like this? I assure you, the most popular pastors, the biggest name pastors are not the best pastors. No way. No way. The best pastor, one of the best pastors ever lived, a guy named Paul, he had another job. He made and sold tents. So to this day, we call elders, pastors who lead churches, who have to hold down another job, we call them tent makers in honor of Paul. That's what we call them. I think the best pastors in the world, I am so privileged to not have to be a tent maker. And let me tell you, it is good that you have some elders that are not tent makers. Every ruling elder in the church, is, in a sense, is a tent maker. They have to hold down a 40, sometimes 50 hour a week job, and then they put another 15 hours for you in the church. So those guys are working hard. So that's the first point I want to say. It's a very hard job. We're getting shot at. At times, 
So far in our culture, to, thankfully, it is not physically dangerous. Um, that is one place it deserves honor. Let me give you a few others. And I'm going to try to roll down. I just want to say that first one. And um, it, I, I'm not some super Christian. I, I didn't want to deal with all that. I was like, let me just go get a regular job and just show up at church, live a nice life. <laughs> That's, uh, I, I, I like that. I, I, I thought that was the path I wanted when I was younger. That wasn't the path that God wanted for me. And I finally learned how to give into that and embrace it and learn how to start obeying what First Peter, not, you know, under compulsion, but willingly, I willingly <laughs> do this job for you and this role for you. In fact, it's so willingly, those parts of me that I'm like, I can't even turn it off. And my wife gets really annoyed at me. <laughs> She's like, can, can you please, you know, turn that off? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm, I'm at home. All right. Um. Other things, um, this work is eternal. This work is eternal. A lot of you, wouldn't you like to have work that is eternal? There are things that you do in your job, you work really hard at it, two product cycles later, your product is dead, and you work really, really hard at it. It feels kind of futile, doesn't it? I'm not saying it's total, it wasn't totally futile, it isn't, right? But um, ours is not futile, even if your flock is small. It's great work, incredible work. Um, another reason why it's deserving of honor. Here are some of the other things. Elders unleash and build up the full ministry of the church to be light and salt to the world I talked about last week. The world is black and dark. Um, quick, simple little thing. You know why so many families are so messed up in, in America? Because they don't have light. They're stumbling around in the dark. They don't know what a dad is. Probably because they don't know what an elder is. You know why there, a lot of people who go to church start to learn how to become good dads? Because they had elders. And you know what an elder is? He's a father in the church. It's an example of being a father. He learns how to be a father under the father taught by Jesus. Hmm. Um, so we unleash light. We are salt to the world. We keep the world from rotting. This is so powerful that people, three generations, there are people that I've met who are not Christians. Their parents went to church, but their parents are not Christians because they stopped teaching the gospel in their parents' church. But their grandparents were Christians. But the fathering, the eldering that happened to their grandparents made their grandparents really good moms and dads and husbands and wives. That passed on to their parents, even though their parents aren't Christians and then went to church. And then now they do not go to church, but they still have some idea how to be a good father Good husband, good mother, good wife. That's a huge blessing to the society. One generation later, they're hosed. <laughs> That's where we're at, by the way. That's where we're at right now. Okay? Um, another reason why it's deserving of honor. What elders do is we don't just build a church. We build a city within a city because that's what the church is. We build a city which lasts forever. The church is the greatest company, the greatest community. It is the greatest counterculture is the greatest countercultural community there is. It lasts forever. This is the way Pastor Rod Miles said it at our retreat. We're here to push Eden, paradise, to the very end of the world. Rod Miles, great quote. That's what we wake up to do every day. Help call all of you. Let's go out there and push Eden to the end of the world. That's pretty good work, isn't it? I think that's incredible work. Oh, I've got a bunch of others, and I won't have time, so let's just zap through them. Um, we serve eternal glories. Some people serve the glory of making money. That's, that's not what we do. We serve glories called holiness, beauty, justice, mercy, love. The last corporation that you know, do they serve love? They say they do. Some of them. Very few of them. Right? 
Um, the company I'm thinking about is Subaru. <laughs> they have a commercial. Subaru is love. And I, I, every time I watch that commercial, I, say, I actually like Subarus. But I think that's the stupidest commercial ever. <laughs> like, just, it's like, you surf all-wheel drive. Come on, that's what you do. We serve holiness, justice, mercy, love. These things will last forever. Okay? When all these companies and nations are gone, that's what we do. <laughs> Elders. We shape human beings to become divine. Because human beings were made to be in the image of God. We help you to become imaging of God. That's what the gospel does. That's what we sow the gospel into you. The more the gospel you get, the more divine you'll get. Like the most divine man who is God himself, Jesus Christ. See? Back to part one. <laughs> we shepherd you to the chief shepherd. What are the things that we do? We bridge human divides. Uh, have you noticed in our culture that everybody's an autonomous individual? I'm me. I'm the Lord of my own life. Unless we shepherd you into a flock and you, and you submit to us as leaders, then you can't really be together. Human community is naturally divisive and at war with one another. Selfish to each other. We form community in ways that the world longs for. That can break down rich from poor, white from black. Right? You know, just name it, whatever kind of racism you want. And so we, we heal those things through the power of the gospel. Under one flock. So we can't become one flock that way. Um, we rescue and renovate deeply hurt and broken human beings from death, curse, poverty, and destruction. They receive honor from the Lord. They receive the honor of his righteousness. And for our work, we receive honor. But it's far more valuable than money or power. And I urge you to honor elders. And then not so much me, <laughs> all the elders. Um, I honor all our elders in our church. Um, the only elders I don't honor are the ones I don't think are acting like elders. But if they even act like an elder, even somewhat, I honor them. And then the ways of acting, I encourage them in the ways that, and then if they're foolish, then I kind of go, hey, dude, come on. What's with this? But I generally try to honor all our elders, even the ones that aren't necessarily as knowledgeable or as experienced. I, too, was a very inexperienced and not a very knowledgeable and very unwise elder, especially when I was younger. Please honor your elders. Um, that is a very important thing. Um, one last thing. We are agents to push back the very curse of sin and death on the earth. We call the church to push back the sin, curse of sin and death. That's why it's such hard work. There's the, the curse is like rampant even inside the church, pushing it back through the power of Christ. Um, the role is very honorable. Let me talk about the last part of my message. Fathers of God's family, like the chief shepherd, there's one portion, I, I actually, I guess I lied earlier. I didn't mean to lie. <laughs> There's one portion of 1 Timothy 3 that I want to highlight to you today. So, I have said that we are uh, our shepherds, we are overseers, uh, we are elders, we are pastors. But there's one that we, I haven't talked about. Here's how it says it in... Um, Chapter 3, here's what it says. One of the qualifications, I want to just highlight this one qualification. We're going to talk more about the other qualifications next week. It says that he must, this is verse 4, he, that is the elder, must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. And listen to this, verse 5. For if, he, if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? You know what? You know what? An elder is um, an elder is a is a father. 
An elder is a father. He's a very specific kind of father. I'd like to think that the elders are the very best fathers. They should be good examples as fathers. I'm not saying perfect fathers, there's no such thing. The only perfect father is God. Uh, but have you noticed in our society that fatherhood is in really very, very serious trouble? I mean, I, I, um, there was a sermon a number of oh, a while back. I said that the, if you watch TV shows from 30 or 50, 50 years ago, you could, there are family shows, and they depict fathers, and they're, they're almost all good fathers, I mean, and they all are very similar fathers, whether you're talking Mike Brady <laughs> or Ward Cleaver or Cliff Huxtable, just to name three of the famous TV dads. But in our culture, I, I, I don't know any show <laughs> that has, has fathers like that. That's how bad our society is. We often mock fathers. Homer Simpson, so the name one idiotic father that we mock, right? Um, so, um, but what kind of father are we talking about here? Um, a father that is like God the Father. Wow. How are we to be like God the Father? He's God. We are to be fathers of God's family, under shepherds, like the chief shepherd. This is really strange. You know how we learn how to be the father? From Jesus. From Jesus. That's strange. He wasn't married. Actually, not true. <laughs> He's married. He's married to a bride called the church. But you're right, on this earth he wasn't married and he didn't have any biological children. He just had a lot of spiritual children whom he's always fathering. But let me, say, let me show you another verse in the Bible. This is from John chapter 5. This is the way Jesus puts it. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. One of the most important things um, shepherds do is we're examples. We teach through our life. We show you. We don't just tell you the gospel. We have to show you the gospel. It's also why I often tell you about my failures. Okay, I'm fathering you. By the way, this is a great way that many of you fathers can father your children. I'm taking you to Jesus. Now, Jesus didn't do it by his failures. Jesus looked at the Father. He treated all of his sheep in a fatherly way. And ultimately, what did he do? He laid his life down. <laughs> he laid his life down to protect them, to feed them, to give them life when they were dying. I told you once in the sermon I was afraid to do this. You can see why I was afraid to do this. All elders. Um, it says in another place in Scripture, we are hard-pressed but not crushed. That's how the way Paul described the, the apostles, the first pastors. We are hard-pressed but not crushed. Okay? We are despised, but we are not rejected. And I think that all elders worth their salt. They must understand this. We're not going to do this with our smarts. We're not going to do this with nice clothes, although I'm kind of dressed a little better today than usual. <laughs> I, I, I put on the jacket because I was cold. <laughs> um, um, we, we don't do this with all our competence. We do this with the cross. And the cross was the greatest act of fathering there ever was. The father suffered loss to love us, shepherd us. And he sent us a son. And anytime you ever want to know what the father is like, you ever want to know what the father is like? 
Just look at Jesus. All he does is love a father. And it is our hope and prayer that we would be something like Jesus. This is why Pastor Young and I, we drink in the gospel all the time. We talk about the gospel a lot. We are really gospel fiends. We are gospel crazy. We are Jesus crazy. Why? Because it is our hope that if we don't bring this in and we shepherd each other and pastor each other, then we will not become like him. And if we do not become like him, then how could we father you? Because all sons and daughters, they chase after their fathers, don't they? Don't they? Especially if, if their fathers are any good. If their fathers are bad, it's a really sad curse they chase after their father anyway in the bad way. <laughs> That's part of the curse. Right? But when they're good, even generations later, they're still doing it. And it is our prayer and hope that um, we would be like Jesus, right? who is just doing, who is only doing everything that he sees the Father doing. And he lays, he lays it down. And as we do this, we pray that you would do this. And when we watch you begin to lay your lives down for each other, wow, we get so excited. Right? That's the church in all its grandeur. That's the work. That's why it's worthy of honor. That's why this is the greatest team on earth, the greatest family on earth. It's the greatest family it's ever, ever going to be, actually. Let's pray. I pray for all the elders in our church. I pray for the elders throughout this city and all the different denominations. For every church that proclaims the gospel. I pray for the elders that are hurting and, um, and are so discouraged and they want to quit. I pray for elders that have been so shot and hurt uh, they're bleeding badly. Would you mend their wounds, Father? Would you send the church to minister to them? The church ministers to pastors too and elders. And would pastors minister to each other and elders minister to pastors and pastors minister to elders? And I pray, Lord, that you would start a movement. You would start a movement to honor this work that there would be there, there is a, a horrible spirit of the wolf in our culture a spirit of rebellion and anger and entitlement and people in the church is ready to shoot their pastors and their elders and their bishops and that's what's going on with great Except they don't shoot them literally with a gun. They shoot them with their mouths and with blogs and with rumors. And these men who are already hard-pressed, so many of them are just barely hanging on. But we thank you, Jesus. Maybe some of us need to die. <laughs> die like you died. You fathered us the way the Father fathers. This is the way you... And I pray, Lord, that as some of us, as we hurt and as we persevere to do this most incredible work, Lord, you would pour your spirit out upon the church. And you would empower all this work and you would empower the church and change our deep and dying, dark society. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for all the elders. Thank you for every elder that's ever eldered me, pastored me, loved me rebuked me, <laughs> even rebuked me. I was so dumb, as has, so often has happened. Thank you for all my fellow elders that I gather with and I pray together with and I learn from. Lord, thank you for Young. So thankful for him. Thank you for all the elders that we're going to raise up in this church. May they become mighty, mighty men of God, men like Jesus. We would honor all of them and learn from them. And help this church become mighty and glorious. Thank you for our elders. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
response to the Lord. Send up to um, respond to the word and just praise him for um, his goodness. His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I worship your holy name 